Tonight's Bible reading comes from Haggai chapter 2, verse 10 to 23. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, oil, or other food, Does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with the people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from the day on, from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When, an, when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not tr- turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Houses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. Well, it's fantastic to have this opportunity on the, on the last time I'm here to preach and, and also to finish off Haggai. Uh, it's, it's been fun. I, I enjoy doing the Old Testament prophets. Um, I, unfortunately, tonight we actually have to squeeze two sermons into one. And um, so each of them will be squished. So go and read uh, Haggai again and just think about all the stuff but before we we look at this let's just ask god's blessing upon his word as we look at it lord god you're amazing and we thank you for your word sometimes when we read it it kind of just doesn't make a lot of sense but your spirit is with us and father you've given your word that we might be encouraged challenged in our faith that as we walk with you, we might, through the example of your people, through the way that you have worked amongst them, we might learn how it is that you desire to work amongst us. And Father, I pray as we look at the words of your prophet Haggai, your words, that you might teach us tonight something. 
something that might encourage our faith, challenge our faith, and that might spur us on to live in a manner which is worthy of yourself. Father, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you remember, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai. That was what we did two weeks ago. That was in chapter 1. And Haggai had to say to the people, a good and godly people, people who loved him, you've just made me a part of your life. I'm not everything in your life. And he said, don't you know, haven't you considered that you put your hands to things and they fade, they, they don't last. You spend all your time, whilst you love me, I'm only one aspect of your life. And you're not focused on me 100%. And therefore, when you put your hands to look after yourself, I blow it away. You don't get your crops to the same level as what you would expect because there's drought. I take from you. I, I, think about this. Why is this? Think about what's going on and recognize the fact that I want you to serve me and me only. And we looked at the fact that the people responded to that. And God said to them that he would be with them and his spirit would be with them, that he would bless them. Last week, we looked that uh, at the beginning of chapter 2. One month later, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai and he basically saw, I think, that they were slowing down. They were looking at the task that was in front of them and they said, this task is, is too big. Don't you understand the world that we live in is such that we can't just live for God and expect things to work out. People, people are against us. People don't listen to us. And we read from the prophet um, Ezra as, as he showed what was happening at that time and yet there was problems coming from outside and they didn't have enough stuff to get the work done that they were called to. And we talked about how the fact that God understands the reality in which we live and he can deal with the reality in which we live. And he can not only deal with it, but he blesses through that reality. And we saw how Nebuchadnezzar just gave them everything that they needed. God provided. And God again promised to be with them. Now, Two months later than that, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, if you're interested on December the 18th, something or other, Haggai gives two little sermons or two little speeches, and we're going to do both of them tonight. And in some ways they picture the first two comments that he has to make to the people. They kind of mirror the same thing. Whether it was that they had forgotten or whether it was the fact that they just had flagged, got tired, he brings it up again. We just want to quickly look through it tonight. And he starts off by telling them and showing them the difference between sin and holiness and how they affect things. And he goes, says to... Um, Haggai says, go and ask the priests something about how it works in the world. Verse 12, if someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, something that has been offered to the Lord, given to the Lord, and they put it inside their inside pocket, 
and the outside of the pocket, that same piece of cloth, touches some bread, stew, wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? And the priest said, no. What, what does that mean? The message that God is giving is that holiness is not contagious. Dedication to God can't be caught. You can't have it as a part of your life, if we're talking individually, and it kind of spreads out and makes everything holy. Or if we're talking within a congregation, someone can't say, I live for God, and therefore we live for God. Holiness doesn't work that way. It's not contagious. Sometimes I think we think it is. I know that when I talk to people about going and sharing the gospel with folk, they think I'll go and live a godly, good life amongst them. And having done that, they will be changed. They'll become more godly. They'll come to know God by the life I live. It, it, it doesn't work that way. People believe by hearing the word of God. There's no doubt we must live a godly life before them. But it's not something they pick up and catch just by the fact that we live some sort of moral standard before them. And he's saying to these people, you need to put into your brain, as I'm thinking about everything I've been telling you over the last three months, you don't catch holiness. Then he goes on, verse 13. If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? In other words, if somebody goes and touches a corpse and then goes and touches a sandwich, does the sandwich become defiled? And the priest says, yes, it becomes defiled. Holiness is not contagious, but unholiness, wickedness, defilement, sin, is contagious. It infects the things that it comes in contact with. What's the point of all of this? He's talking to a group of people who seek to serve him, and he's reiterating the same point we talked about two weeks ago, which is if there's any part of us which fails to be dedicated to serve God, then that is the bit which defiles all of us. If we are to be the sort of people who are used in his kingdom for his glory, we need to seek to serve him with all our being. A lot of the commentators when they talk about them are saying that with the, with the meat put inside the fold, what he's actually trying to get to is the fact that holiness is not only that outward show that we put, but it has to be inward as well. What Haggai is trying to bring out to the people is that they must wholeheartedly serve the Lord. We could talk for a long time on this. But the outworking that I wish to leave with you is to seek that you be the people of God 
100%. I mentioned this in the morning services. Someone from the evening congregation said to me a couple of weeks ago, looking at our, our vision statement to make passionate followers of Jesus. And they said, that's, that's really the secondary step, if you like. What God calls us to, and maybe what we should have as our vision, what I would encourage you to do is that we must be passionate followers of Jesus, wholeheartedly serving him. Because what Haggai is saying to these people is if there is parts of you that are not dedicated to God, they're the ones that infect your life. You can't expect giving this part of your life to God is somehow going to affect everything until you all become holy. Sometimes we think discipleship's like that, I imagine. We become a follower of Jesus and we come to him and we say, you can have my Sundays. And in a few years' time, when I'm a few years older and I've got a bit less to do, then you can have my Wednesday or Tuesday nights. And I'll go to life group. And then when I'm a little bit older, I might actually do some other ministry for you. I don't know that until I'm an old person, I'll actually, you know, stop watching movies or, or do anything like give my spare time to working bees or anything like that. But eventually I will grow until I'm all yours. And Haggai says it's not like that. And in fact, the scriptures say that when we come to him, we give all of ourselves to him. Do we fail? Do we make mistakes? Yes, of course we do. But our attitude is to be whole of life. We're to give everything to him. When uh, Sylvia and I were at uni, we were reasonably poor. Our parents decided that they would help us occasionally, but we, we, were, we were married when we were 19. And we figured that with some of the um, comments that we got about not quite being old enough, <laughs> that we could do it on our own, which meant we lived on whatever the government gave us. We had cabbage and potato soup with the occasional meat every now and then. You know, you put your money in the little envelopes. This is before anything was electronic. And we saved money. And eventually we had over three or four years, I don't know, we'd saved up $1,000. I can't remember at all what we were going to do with $1,000. But we had it in the bank. And then some sort of a missionary rocked up at church <laughs> and told us about a great need that there was for cars. For missionaries in the Sudan and that they are they needed new vehicles and we were young and idealistic so we went and got our thousand dollars and gave it everything now the point of the story isn't just to say how we were all out then the thing is that now I've got a bit more than a thousand dollars in the bank a reasonable amount more than $1,000 in the bank. And if some sort of a missionary rocked up and said that they needed money for cars in wherever, 
they might get a thousand dollars because I reckon that's enough right they wouldn't get everything would they should they because you see I kind of figure I deserve some don't you reckon I mean I've earned it I think sometimes that's how we see with our life we figure it's mine I want it and God says sorry can't have it if you want to be mine you have to give me everything I want it all because if you keep any of it for yourself then everything's infected the only way to be wholly committed to me is to be wholly committed to me it's the only way and this is what he says to his people and then Haggai said so it is with this people and this nation in my sight declares the Lord whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled is he saying that they are totally wicked and they must be tossed out no what he's saying is that there is still this hard attitude where they haven't given everything to him they're still holding back it doesn't point out what that holding back is in this passage it's three months later but he points out to them that what he wants is everything it's their time he wants their money he wants their careers he wants their music interests he wants their entertainment interests he wants their relationships he wants all of those things to be molded according to his perfect plan and will according to his scriptures what he's saying to them is don't hold anything back because what you hold back defiles everything and then he says now give careful thought to this to this from this day on he says think back three months ago in fact think back 15 years ago when you first laid the foundation when you first came from Babylon from that time until now when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures there was only 10 when anyone to a wine vat to draw 50 measures there were only 20 I struck all the work of your hands with blight mildew and hail yet you didn't come back to me says the Lord verse 18 from this day on from this 24th day of the ninth month give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord temple was laid give careful thought from now until from then until now is there yet any seed left in the barn until now the vine and the fig tree the pomegranate the olive tree have not born fruit we've we've had a blessing we've been blessed over the last almost three years two and a half years being amongst you and many great things have been done we've, we've enjoyed the ministry we've enjoyed relating we've enjoyed seeing people grow we've enjoyed being blessed by your ministry you're a hundred I was gonna say hundred odd people but that was that was meaning not exactly a hundred not hundred odd people has the Lord blessed us 
in that two and a half years, the way that we would intend for him to bless his church as it walks with him. I'm an idealist, maybe. Definitely. God promises to bless his church, to bring people into it that they might know him. And yet as I've talked with people and sort of said, at times asked the question, why aren't there baptisms every few weeks? Why aren't we having people come? Why aren't we seeing people say, yes, I want to be involved in ministry. Why aren't we all involved in youth groups and stuff? And that's what God's saying to these people. Look at how I've blessed you and, and, and recognize the fact that you... It, it hasn't been a blessing. God has blessed. He did feed them. He did keep them. He allowed them to live. He gave them stuff. He taught them stuff. Things happened. But he said, have a careful think. Is this what you thought would happen when you followed me? He expected their answer to be a negative. No. We thought if we had 20, we'd get 20 or 30 because you're God. We thought that was going to happen. Someone said to me last week, they said, God will bless us. I've been preparing for this sermon. So I said, why? Why should he? Why should he bring people amongst us? Why should he cause us to grow? Why, why should he? There's a kind of a bit of a stunned look, I think. Because what God's saying to his people here, he's saying, think about it. I want you totally, 100% for me. Because when you're not, you don't get everything. You don't get everything. And what he's going to say to them is, from this day on, I will bless you. And maybe this is the story, that after three months, they've finally got the message. Because he says, from this day on, you're putting absolutely everything into it. So imagining, I will bless you. You've finally got it from now on. Think back at all that time, but now I'll bless you. He'll make them prosper. What do I desire for you as a congregation, for us as a church? And that is that God will say, from this day on, I will bless you. But I would encourage you, challenge you, whatever it is, convict you. That's not going to happen unless we, as the people of God, are passionately following him with all our hearts. He won't do it when there's two of us, three of us, who are passionate. He won't bless us completely if only a group of young people are or a group of the oldies are. That's not going to work. He wants his body, his people, his church to wholeheartedly serve him. How does revival happen? Revival happens when, when a group, a community, even small ones, get on their knees and they repent. They confess their sin and they say, we need you in our lives and they give their all. And it snowballs until the community does that. And this is what I pray for you. This is what I think Haggai is saying. Let's give our all. Don't hold anything back. 
give everything. And then what does he promise? He says, from this day on, I will bless you. And how will he bless? This is the second talk that he gives on that day. A really short talk. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. And it's to a particular person. It's to Zerubbabel. And, and Zerubbabel's an amazing guy. He is pivotal, if you like. He is in both Matthew's genealogy of Christ and Luke's genealogy of Christ, which is people talk, it's, it's from um, Joseph's line and Mary's line. And this guy, Zerubbabel, is in both of their lines. And this is a prophecy to him. Lots of people see him as a, as a type of Christ, if you like. His grandfather was a guy by the name of Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was a, not a nice guy. He didn't follow the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 22, God says, I'm going to find Jeremiah now. In Jeremiah chapter 22 and verse 24, God says this of Jehoiakim. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, if you were the very symbol of my authority, I would still pull you off. I will deliver you into the hands of those who want to kill you, those you fear, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and the Babylonians. I will hurl you and your mother who gave you birth into another country where neither of you was born, and there you both will die. He goes even further. You will never come back to the land you long to return to. Then he asks the question, Is this man Jehoiakim a despised broken pot, an object no one wants? Why will he and his children be hurled out, cast into a land they don't know? O land, 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 hear what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule any more in Judah. This was a man who was prophesied against that none of his offspring would rule. That even if he were God's seal of authority, and he was, he was a Davidic king, God would pull the ring off his finger and toss it away, if you like. Let it go. Two generations later, his grandson, Zerubbabel. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel through the prophet Haggai. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kings. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. I will overturn the world. And on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring. 
For I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. This person who's the offspring of someone who was so wicked that God said, even if you were this close to me, I'd get rid of you. And none of your offspring will ever sit on the throne of David. Two generations later, one of his offspring wholeheartedly turns to God, wholeheartedly seeks to serve the Lord, throws his all into governing the people. And God says what? He says, I will make you like my signet ring because I've chosen you. You're mine. Not only that, he says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'll overturn everything. I'm going to bring about the changes that I, my plan will come about, he says. And you're a part of that plan. What do I take away from that? I don't know what the past has been in your life. I know my life. I know the darkness is there. I know all the bits and pieces that I've done. But God says to Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel would have known the prophecy that the prophet Jeremiah said about his grandfather. He comes and says, I've chosen you, you're mine. In the same way as in the first one that we looked at a few weeks ago, he says, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. I will be with you, says the Lord Almighty. He says to Zerubbabel, I'll be with you. You will be this close to me. I will protect you because you're the symbol of my authority. I will hold you close. You'll be like my signet ring. When we turn to God and we give our all to him, he promises that, if you like, the past is done away with and that we can move forward serving him. I, I think that a lot of people that I talk to say, but you don't, you don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's gone on in my life. You haven't seen where I've been. I, I, can't, I can't just in an instant give my all. God says, no, but that's what I want. I want you all. I know it's going to take a period of time for you to learn to follow the guidance of my spirit, to learn to follow my word, to learn to, to, to get rid of those habits that you've had in the rest of your life. But that's what I want. I want everything. I'm not satisfied with anything less. But then he promises that he will bless. And bless in such a way that you become so close and precious to him that he will protect you at all costs, which is what they say would be of a signet ring. Protected at all costs because it would be used as the word of the king. He says, that's what I'll do for you. I'll bless you. Now, I, I don't know the experiences that you've had with God. But I do know this. If it hasn't been everything he's promised probably because you haven't kept up your side of the bargain. It, it doesn't mean you're not saved. <laughs> By the blood of Jesus Christ, it covers all of our sin. And as we turn to him and follow him, yes, he does save us, but he expects that fruitfulness to develop and he expects us to grow into that. 
But he promises so much in the New Testament for his people. I'm, I'm not talking material blessings. Some people use this as a symbol of saying that God materially blesses that. And he, he does look after and care for his people. But he promises us peace, he promises us joy, he promises us a family, he promises us to be a blessing out to the nations, he promises us to overflow us with contentment, he promises to gift us so that we can minister in his name and to give him, he promises all of that. And if that hasn't been your experience, what I'm suggesting from these passages is don't think, next year he'll do it. Because I suggest to you, he won't. Until such time as we give him everything from a heart outward. So what do I pray for you as a congregation as we go? And I, I pray for us as we go. That the congregation, the church, that all of us as a community as a whole will just give everything to Jesus. Passionately everything. Time. Finances. careers, families to say, Lord, use it as you want. Do what you want with it. The dreams, the passions, the desires that we have, everything to you. We're going to sing a song, I think, this evening. One of my heroes, Keith Green. And uh, he, he tells, when he's going out with his wife, I think he said this, he said, if I ever love you more than Jesus, I'm saying this wrongly, but he says, I'll be wrong. I'll be sinning. He says, Jesus always comes first. And if it's anything different from that, he gives the impression in the songs that he sings that he's, sin he's sinning greatly. So let me encourage you. If you haven't yet given your life at all to Jesus, please do so. Come to him and know that he will forgive whatever it is that you've done. If you look back at your life and you think, well, that's not everything that... The, it's not that contentment, it's not that peace, it's not that joy. God hasn't given me, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to love me as a child, he doesn't, then you need to come to him and you need to throw yourself on his mercy and you need to say, forgive me, you need to give him your all. But there are those of you who have done that. Maybe some of you have done it time and time again. But you keep saying, it's not everything it's cut out to be. Well, I would encourage you, you have to give everything. He wants to be Lord. You can't just be Lord of half. He wants Lord of everything. And then he promises to bless. And if you can find a few like-minded people around you who are wholly committed to the Lord, seek to live for him and, and encourage others to come and be passionate about that until that flows over the whole congregation. then just wait, God says, and see how I'll bless your socks off. You won't know what to do with the abundance of people, ministry, things that I throw you away to do wonderful things with. And I pray that that might be your experience in the next couple of years. Let's pray. Lord God, you are a wonderful God. But often, we don't give you our all. 
these people have come to a point over a period of three months with your word being brought to them as they've begun to understand that they need to give their all. And you've promised that you'll bless them. Father, you took someone who came from a, a family background, a situation where there was nothing going for him. And you've promised to bless him abundantly. That he'll become so close to you, protected by you, blessed by you. Father, we've had the opportunity over many, many weeks. Some of us have grown up in the church. We've read your word, we've been to youth group, we've been to kids' church. Or maybe we've been in ministry for years. But we still, we still fail to give you everything. Father, I, I pray that we as a congregation, as a church, might give our all to you. That we might be a community of people, heart, soul, strength and mind, given to Christ. And Father, we would pray that you would bless us abundantly. As we live for you, that you would bring the world amongst us. That you would help us to live for Jesus daily. And that we might just explode with your very blessings. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.